Turn with me this morning in your Bible to Psalm 121. Now we've sung this psalm together. We're going to read the psalm together. Psalm 121, let's hear the word of the Lord. Follow with me if you can. Psalm 121. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day near the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Amen. We know the Lord will bless to us this reading of the Holy Scriptures and may his stamp with his own approval even upon these words that we have read together. Now my text today is taken from Psalm 121. And my theme is Jehovah's help on the journey to heaven. So we're looking really at the whole of the psalm. And here's the overall theme, Jehovah's help on the journey to heaven. If you notice the title of the psalm, it's called A Song of degrees. Now there's 15 of these psalms in the Psalter, Psalm 120 to 134. That's 15 in total. The word decrees means ascent. From the root meaning in the Hebrew, it literally means to, to go up. And the reference is to ascending a particular pathway. And the context of the psalm is that the children of Israel are traveling up to Jerusalem, the holy city. And of course, you literally and geographically have to go up to Jerusalem. So I want you to think of travelers on a journey. I want you to think of pilgrims on a pathway. And of course, according to the scriptures, the children of Israel were to uh, make the journey to Jerusalem three times per year for the celebration of the three annual feasts, the Passover, the Feast of Pentecost, and the Feast of the Tabernacles. And, and during these occasions, when the children of Israel would be traveling on the road, ascending up towards Jerusalem, especially in the evening time as they got nearer the city, they would burst into song. And one of the songs that they would have sung on that occasion was Psalm 121. And I have no doubt 
that the children of Israel, en route to go up to Jerusalem, were thinking about the worship of the Lord in the temple. Now, as they traveled, of course, they had many hazards. The path was not easy. The route to Jerusalem was often fraught with many dangers, not only the roughness of the terrain, but bandits and robbers in particular. And as they journeyed, they did so looking to the Lord for his help. In other words, they filled their heart and mind with an increasing knowledge of who their God is and their relationship to him. Now, it's interesting that Psalm 121 is known as the Traveler's Psalm. And it's one of the Psalms that we read to Joanna when she left last November to go to Miami. And of course, it's a psalm that we read especially to people in the hospital. It's very instructive. I believe it's very uplifting. It's very comforting. Now, I want to tell you that this psalm is not limited to the psalmist day. I believe it's an application for us in the 21st century. You see, we too are on a journey. The journey of life. A journey from the cradle to the grave. A journey out of time into God's great eternity. And of course there's those of us here who are also on a, a spiritual journey. From earth to heaven. We are true pilgrims. We are pilgrims traveling to heaven. And of course the spiritual journey is not easy either. Our spiritual pilgrimage is not trouble free. Our Journey spiritually is filled with many problems, fraught with many dangers, brings many disappointments. And often we have to cry out on the journey, is there anyone can help us? In fact, I believe there's not one stage on the journey, neither literally nor spiritually, when we don't require help. What is true in real life is also true in spiritual life. You think of the different stages of life, a baby, a child, a teenager, someone in their 20s, 30s, even into old age. You see, there's not one stage in the real life journey when we don't need the help of someone, a family member a friend, a neighbor, or a stranger. And one of the most powerful words, I believe, in the English language is the word help. I believe help is the cry of a mother at home looking after maybe, say, five children and a number of dogs and maybe, like Rosie, ten cats. I believe that help is the cry of a student who's facing his final exam and anxious about the future. Help is the cry of a wife whose husband walks in and tells her, I don't love you anymore. I'm leaving you for a younger model. Is it not the cry of a dad or a man that needs help when he's facing financially difficulties and he's unpaid bills? And the bank balance is empty. Is it not the cry of a family who have suffered the death of a loved one? You see, 
There's a thousand of areas where we all need help. And when your back's against the wall, when you're at wit's end corner, as the psalmist talked about, and you need someone to help you, we want to tell you this morning that there's only one that can help you. And that one is the Lord. Here's the psalmist. And he's thinking of pilgrims on a journey towards Jerusalem. And he needs help. And he reminds himself, he, he discovers afresh, he grasps this truth that there's only one to help him. And that one is the Lord. And I want to ask this morning, have you discovered this truth? Look at the psalm. Martin Luther in this psalm said that pilgrims need the help of Jehovah on the journey of heaven. Help that only the Lord can provide. And what Martin Luther said in the 15th century is very true. That's why I've entitled this Jehovah's Help on the Journey to Heaven. Now, there's three things here. Did you know that the Lord's person is the greatest source of our help? If you look carefully at the psalm, you'll discover four times the word Lord. Verse 2, verse 5, again verse 7 and verse 8. You've got the words, the Lord, four times. Four is the number of completion. The word Lord is in capital letters. It's a reference to Jehovah, the covenant-keeping God of Israel. And you see, the word Lord introduces us to the nature and the character of God. That There's none like the Lord. There's none before him. There's none above him. There's none beside him. There's none beyond him. He is Lord alone. And if we could understand something of the character and nature of God... If we could understand something better of the Lord, if we could grasp something of the knowledge of him and strive to know him better in a greater capacity, I believe we'd be better enabled and equipped to deal with every problem and every difficulty that life throws up at us. Look look at the verse 1. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. Whenever the psalmist saw the hills... Did he see them occupied with the Assyrian army? For that's the interpretation of some of the commentators that this psalm was written in Hezekiah's day when the Assyrian army was occupying the the hills of Judea. Was Hezekiah asking himself, where am I going to find help to deal with this enemy? You see, all of us face problems. We have individual problems, we have family problems, there's church problems, there's problems in the country, there's problems in relation to leadership. And and where do we go to find help to deal with our problems? I want to tell you, young people, the answer is not in humanistic philosophy. It's not in liberalism. It's not even in socialism. It's not even in science so-called. Here's the answer. Look at verse 2. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. In other words, there's help 
in the holy God who made heaven and earth. It's vain to look to the hills. It's vain, therefore, to look to men, to armies, to, to, to princes. Here's the psalmist. And perhaps on the journey, he has a period of doubt, uncertainty, confusion in his mind. And he's crying out, from whence cometh my help? And here's the answer. My help cometh from the Lord. Maybe when he looked in the hills, he was reminded of this fact that God is our creator. You see, if God made heaven and earth, as the verse 2 tells us, that means he existed before he made them. That means that God is eternal. That means that God is eternally present before matter. That means that God is self-existent. See, young people, God has no beginning. Who made God? No one. Because God was always eternally present. God is. Remember we read in Genesis 1 and 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the word God has a naphna in it in the Hebrew, which means a pause. Think about this. There never was a time when God didn't exist. God is eternal. He existed before he made heaven and earth. I have to think about the prayer of Moses. Moses said, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth. Or ever thou had formed the earth and the world. Even from everlasting to everlasting. Thou art God. Because our catechism teaches that God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. You see, God is not only our creator this morning who's eternal, but God is our creator is all-powerful. We read here, he made heaven and earth. You see, I believe this morning in a literal six-day creation. Six literal 24-hour days that God took to make heaven and earth. You see, when we think about the origins of the universe, thousands want to explain the scriptures in light of science. But I want to explain science in the light of the scriptures. God created heaven and earth out of nothing in the space of six 24-hour days, by the word of his power, God said, and there was. In other words, God speak. God framed the worlds, this whole universe, by the word of his power. That's how omnipotent our God is. And could I just encourage you, when you go to present the gospel, don't start with Jesus loves you or Jesus died for you. That's not the right place. Here's the right place to start. God made you. Mankind is not just a, an educated animal. You're different from the animals. Animals can't read or write or speak. All of mankind is the highest pinnacle of God's creative order. In him we move and live and have being. 
And one day we're going to meet him face to face. One day, not only are we dependent on him, but we're accountable to him. Are you ready, prepared to meet him? None of us are in ourselves. Why? Because we've sinned against him. We've broken his law. We've not kept the law perfectly. And therefore we stand already in his sight, condemned. And yet this God brings to us the message of the gospel. Here's now the good news of God made us and we live in him and we move in him in a being and we're dependent on him and we're accountable to him and we've broken his law. Now here's the gospel coming in. Jesus was born for sinners. Jesus lived and died for sinners. Jesus rose again from the dead for sinners. And Jesus calls us to repent and receive him as Lord and Savior. Let me tell you a little story. A man called Joseph Parker, who was a preacher. He preached in London in the city temple. Same time Spurgeon was in the Metropolitan Tabernacle. And people used to say to Joseph Parker, You're old-fashioned. You're out of step with modern thinking. You're always quoting the Bible. And that's our fault with you as a preacher. You're always quoting the Bible. You, you ought to turn to science. So he, he said this Sunday, I want you to imagine that in the congregation, there's a widow here and her, and her only son has died. And she's seeking a message. She's come to the house of God. And, and what are we going to say to her? When she has answers to questions that she needs. What is death? Is there life after death? Where is her boy now? Will she ever see him again? And, and Parker said, well, I want to ask the question, what does science say? When, when death comes knocking at the door, when you're lying dying and gasping your last when you've been taken from the scene of time, what has science got to say? Is there any voice to be raised on behalf of science? Of course, there was a silence in the church. And then he opened the old book and he says, What saith the scriptures? Remember the psalmist David said about the child that was born to Bathsheba when he died. I shall go to him. He shall not return to me. And remember what the Lord Jesus said in John 11 about the death of Lazarus to Martha. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Remember what John wrote from the Isle of Patmos in Revelation 14. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works to follow them. You see, if this God that we worship this morning is all-powerful, and he created the heavens and the earth, and he has, then he has power to help you and me. Therefore, there's nothing too hard for him. There's no promise that he can't keep. There's no problem that he can't deal with and solve. The psalmist was teaching us not only that God is our creator, but God is our controller. If you look at the next verse, it says, He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. You see, God controls are every step. The Bible says the steps of a good man are 
ordered by the Lord. And God controls everything for his glory and for our good. And this God, therefore, is our help, especially in time of trouble. When tragedy strikes, he is there for us. He alone is our hope. Oh, that we could grasp how great God is. Oh, that we could grasp that there's nothing that God cannot do. That he's not only mighty to save, but he's mighty to succor. And if you're here and you need help and your heart's breaking, then it may come as a surprise to you, but God is able to supply you with grace and help even in such a time of need. Maybe you're here and you're weary already from the journey. And what do you need? Well, you need a fresh look at the Lord. See him this morning. The Lord's person is the greatest source of our help when we think of him as creator, as controller. But what about our confirmer? Look at this word moved in verse 3. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. Do you know what that word moved means? To slip. To slide. You, you think of a traveler going up to Jerusalem, rough terrain, uneven, rocky pathways, maybe thorns, maybe even a cliff face to negotiate. It's not easy. There's many perils on the way. Not only the rough terrain, but maybe, maybe to run from bandits and robbers. And it would be so easy to slip and to slide, so easy to fall. But here's a promise. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. In other words, it's the Lord that's upholding you. He will not allow your foot to slip. You're going to face adversity. You'll face hardship. There will be times when you feel that you're about to fall and you're going to stagger. But it's the Lord's hand that's upon you. God's eyes are upon us in all the ups and downs of life. God's hand is upon you in all the ups and downs of life. Can I tell you something else? God is also our comforter. Look at the next verse. Verse 3. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord's eyes are upon us even when we are asleep. Do you know that God never slumbers nor sleeps? He's like a faithful guard who is watching over us 24-7. Do you know that you're never out of his sight? Do you know that you're never out of his mind? Isn't that incredible? He knows your name. He knows the numbers of your hairs in your head. And he's always watching you. His eyes upon you. You're, you're never out of his sight. You're never out of his mind. Even when David was a wanted man. He had to flee from Jerusalem because of his son Absalom's rebellion. And I think of David crossing the brook Kidron, going up the Mount of Olives, going out of the city of Jerusalem, betrayed by his own flesh and blood. And yet even in that context, he said, I cried unto the Lord with my voice. And he heard me out of his holy hill, Selah. I laid me down and slept. I awaked. For the Lord sustained me. It's not tremendous. Did you know that in World War II, in London, in the midst of the Luftwaffe bombing blitz, that there was a lady there called Mrs. Smith. 
no, no relative to Brother William here, but, but her name was Mrs. Smith. And in the morning, of course, there was many dead and many dying. And those who were involved in the emergency services were going about different parts of London to uh, try and analyse who had been tragically murdered, killed, and those who were maimed and injured. And whenever they did a tally of a certain street, Mrs. Smith couldn't be found. They couldn't find her person. They, they, they couldn't find her body. Part of her house was blown away. And some of the rescuers said, well, look, we better go in and search the house properly. And whenever they came into the house, they went into a back room. And what did they discover? Mrs. Smith was asleep in bed. And she got quite a fright whenever they, they woke her up. And um, they said to her, but did you not hear the bombs? Did you not know part of your house is blown away? And she said, well, last night, before I went to bed, I read Psalm 121. And I thought, well, if the Lord's awake, and I'm not out of sight or out of mind from him, and he neither slumbers nor sleeps, then there's no point in me staying awake. So I just went to bed, and I left myself in the Lord's hands. And the Lord has sustained me. You see, that's the thought. The Lord neither slumbers nor sleeps. From the lesser to the greater. If he doesn't slumber, then he'll never sleep. In other words, he doesn't grow weary or tired. Oftentimes we're weary and tired. Oftentimes we pace the floor. Oftentimes we're worried about our children, we're worried about finances, we're worried about problems at home in relation to relationships. Maybe we're struck with loneliness and fear and we're fretting and we can't sleep. Well, just remember God does the night shift and the day shift. And you're never out of sight and you're never out of his mind. I want you to think secondly and very quickly here for time is gone. The Lord's presence is the greatest supply of our help. Notice the words in verse 5. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade in thy right hand. I, I, I want you to think of the word shade. Because it's a reference to a, a, a soldier who has got a shield in his left hand. And notice where the Lord stands. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. It's the right hand. See, the right hand of a soldier is most vulnerable. Why? Because he's got the shield in his left hand. In other words, he fills that vulnerable position to defend me. That's what the psalmist is saying. He positions himself in my most vulnerable spot for my help. That thy shade could also refer to a shadow. The Lord is thy shadow upon thy right hand. Doesn't a shadow follow you carefully? No matter where you go, no matter what you face, no matter what the world throws at you, where's your shadow? He's right beside you. He's before you. See, God is ever present. He, he says, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. I think of the story of the Indian boy who was up to 13, was trained to hunt, fish, trap, and track. And one final test that he had to undergo before his 13th birthday was he was blindfolded by the tribe, led into the darkest part of the forest, and told to stay there all night. Now you think of going into a dark forest, big trees, and you're 13 year old. We boy would have been terrified. 
the sight of sound of a twig breaking would be thumping in his heart. He was thinking a wild animal was coming to, to, to eat him. Whenever dawn broke, he opened his eyes and guess what he saw? He saw a man a few feet away. The man had a bow and arrow in his hand and that man was his father. So all during the night, in that terrifying situation, he was standing guard. And that's what the Lord does. He, he protects us from our enemies. He protects us from the elements. It says, the sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. During the day, the hottest part of the day in Israel, um, 12 o'clock to, to 3 o'clock, you could, you could get sunstroke very quickly, especially in 43, 45 degrees. It's very hot. And then at night, it can become extremely cold. The psalmist was aware of those who suffered sunstroke. He was aware of those who were suffered moonstroke, and people have been known to go mad even in the light of the moon in the land of Israel. And of course, that's where we get the word lunar and lunatic from. You can see the impact that the moon could have on your mind. But the Lord is always with us. In all that would harm us, even in the night fears, the darkness, the loneliness, the friendlessness, those special terrors. Why? Because he has chosen us. Notice the word Israel. The God of the covenant. God has chosen his people. What way? Not only why, but, but what way? Because he is above us. He's transcendent. He's eternal. He's all-powerful. He is with us in all the sunshines and shadows of our life. He is there for us. He has chosen us in Christ. He has called us. He has cleansed us. He has cared for us. He, he comforts us. Because we too are in a covenant relationship with him. He has pledged to help us. Do you feel worthless this morning? Feel helpless? Feel friendless? Do you feel hurt and lonely this morning? Why does the Lord ever help me? Here's the answer. Because you're in Christ. He helps us because of Christ. Because we're in union with him. Because we are accepted in the beloved. And not only why does he do it, and not only the way that he does it, but when does he do it, he does it right now. Notice the word is, God is thy keeper. Isn't that tremendous? The Lord is thy shade upon thy head. In other words, the help of God is real now, just when you need it. A very present help in trouble. There's the Lord's presence. Is the greatest supply of our help. And one final thing, the Lord's protection is the greatest scope of our help. Look at verses 7 and 8. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. From the evil one, from this present evil world, from all the evil temptations of the devil, the Lord shall preserve thy soul. Do you know that you have a soul? Do you know you're a sinner and you need to be saved? What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for soul? Your soul is the most precious thing that you have. Your soul's immortal. The Lord shall preserve thy soul. Isn't the devil out to destroy and damn souls? The Lord is out to deliver souls, to delight souls. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in. Think of all the, the, the routines of life, the, the ups and downs, the ins and outs. The Lord is there. 
And, and, and also, and even forevermore. In other words, not only every day, but, but, but preserving us for eternity. Here's one of the greatest statements of our security. This is what the Lord does for us. Here's the scope of his help in all of these areas. When it comes down to, to what we face by way of evil. When it comes down to the security and well-being of our soul. Even in our going out and coming in. You think if you're going out and coming in, driving the car, the school run. Maybe going on holiday and, and coming back again. See, the Lord's hand is upon all these situations. And upon his people. And even unto eternity. See our greatest protector and protection. Is in the Lord. So I just want to say in closing this morning. If you're here in the house of God. And you need help. And you're crying out. Help Lord. Fill your mind with the Lord's person. Because he's the great source of your help. As creator, as controller, as confirmer, as comforter. Fill your mind with the Lord's presence. The Lord is with me. Why? Because he's chosen me. What way? Oh, he's at my elbow. When? Right now. And fill your mind that the Lord's protection is the greatest scope of your help. And the next time you need help, just remember there's help from on high. Jehovah's help in the journey to heaven. Do you know the reality of it? Are you enjoying it? I trust and pray that you are. Thank you for coming. Thank you for listening this morning. May the Lord bless his word to us.